Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Wizwit Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Drew. With me, as always, are my co-host, Devin. Yo, what's up? I'm in my car again. He's in his car again. And, uh, Kush. Hey, glad nothing interesting at all happened today. You're right, Kush. Absolutely nothing interesting happened today, Monday, the 26th of November. Yeah, so, shout, yeah. out, shout out to Dalt, because I'm not using my turn signal on this light right now. <laughs> you know what, Dalt? If, he gets a t- if you get a ticket, Dalt should have to pay it. There we go. <laughs> at, at FBI. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, on the things that didn't happen today, uh, Ron Hextall got fired. What? I don't believe yeah. you. Yeah, wait, no, wait, it happened. Wait, 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 wait. Ron? Not Dave? <laughs> That's correct. I know. It's it wild. wasn't we're, it's not a typo, and if it was, they really fucked up. <laughs> I could see that happening. Oh, Fucking crap. Paul Holmgren's trying to use his phone. <laughs> he autocorrects it from Hextall to Hextall. He's like, well, can't go back <laughs> now. <laughs> that would be such a Holmgren thing to do. Like these so, damn yeah. millennials and their phones. After, what, four or five years, uh, Ron Hextall out as a... Uh, GM of the Philadelphia Flyers. I think it's fair to say that we're all surprised by it, but not... I guess we're a little shocked, but not... I guess not overall surprised. I mean, I guess we all thought Haxtell would be the first to go. Well... You know what's funny? Like, the last two days, and I, of course, I didn't say this out loud or, like, tweet it, because then I could prove myself to be a genius, but I started to think, like, as the longer time goes on and Haxtell doesn't do anything the more likely it's going to be him getting fired because there's going to be pressure from above. So I'm not really, like, I'm kind of shocked because I never really thought it would happen. But, like, when I think about it, it really shouldn't have been surprising. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I think most fans, like, felt that way, too. Like, we didn't necessarily want to see Hextel get fired, but I think everybody pretty much acknowledged that. At this point, it was going to happen if he did nothing. It's weird timing. Meaning because you started to see like all the people who are normally like Hextall supporters, like you see Hinky supporters, start to turn on Hextall. Like, yeah, he's he I just was, like, that wasn't a good sign. <laughs> he just doesn't do anything. Like other than you know make good cap decisions and stuff like that, but like this team is is horribly mediocre, and there's one reason to blame for that, and it's coaching staff. And he just refuses to make the smallest move. I think that's what it came down to. Like, I was – when it happened, I'll be honest, I was a little relieved that they did something. But at the same time, it's it's tough because I'd rather I, – I think Ron Hextel's a fine GM. I just think if he made those moves, he'd still be the GM and we'd actually have a half-decent team. You know, those moves to fire Hextel, to fire the – mediocre PK coaching staff and to get better goaltending. I mean, you came into the season knowing Brian Elliott and Michael Neuvers cannot be long-term options. And yet here we are fifth goalie in like 23 games, 24 games. Hey, hey Dev, could you turn yeah. us down like a notch? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm picking up Ryan twice ourselves twice rather. It's a nice echo. We're in a cave. Yeah. Um, yeah. How's that? Uh, that's good. All right. Um, one thing I want to I want to say because I want to be the first to say it. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, now this is coming out on Tuesday. That at, at Wednesday morning they just fire Hackstall. 
and the entire coaching staff after the game because there's a, such a little break because they don't play again until Saturday against the Kings. I'd actually be kind of surprised because I think they acknowledge that LaPerriere would be a worse option than Haxtell. And I also well, no, think they, no, I'm saying they would fire both. But but then who are you? Then who is going to be your your temporary coach at that point? You could say Scott so Gordon, or the power play or the power play coach. Sure, but Jim McCrossin, fuck, he's got to be better than what we got. Oh, absolutely. I'm not. I'm not That's denying not that. But I think they want. I'm wanted... saying Jim McCrossin would be better than I know. Oh, I, oh, okay, I know who Jim McCrossin. That was the power play. No. I, I was like, That's not the power I just think they want to. They they want to wait till they get a new GM, which I think is going to be soon. Because the way this whole thing went down makes me kind of feel like they already have somebody in mind. But I think they're going to wait till he gets in place and then he gets to pick his own coaching staff. Because I, I just feel like every coach or every GM kind of chooses their own coaching staff eventually. That's usually how it goes. So I think I'd, I'd actually be surprised if Haxel got fired before they hired a new GM. Yeah. I... You know, at the end of the day, Hextall's greatest flaw was being too stubborn. Like, he was too in love with his own guys. Like, he wouldn't fire the coach that he picked. He wouldn't, like, trade certain prospects to improve the team because, he, you know, he was just going to, like, trust his process. But then you he know, wouldn't play those. too many guys he, like, wasn't going to bring up. And that ultimately led to the team never improving and staying mediocre for four, four to five years. Yeah. And got him fired. Yeah. It's a it's a sad thing. I mean, he did a lot of good things. Like like I said earlier, he was great with the cap. I mean, this Katoria contract's great. The Ghost contract is great. He traded Pronger's dead contract. Traded Lecavier, who was pretty useless yeah, I, I, for us, and, and took up a lot of cap. You know, you make a good point about the contract because like it is kind of scary now because he didn't get to redo Pro overall's contract. Yeah. So who's gonna That's be what I was going to go into. I mean, when it first happened, like I kind of felt like a couple different things. Like at first, I was just shocked, and the next, I guess again, I wasn't surprised, but it was kind of shocking that Hexel was the first to go. But I mean, he did a lot of good. He took us out of cap hell. He drafted extremely well. Again, those contracts like Pro, you know, Provorov's coming up. That's going to be a scary one. Konechny still needs a deal. It's or is Konechny signed already? I think Konechny uh, needs a deal soon. To check Let's... that. I have to double check that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, he, the contracts that he gave out already were really good contracts. Not throwing in the no, the, yeah. the Holmgren special no trade clause. The strap. Connecting does need a deal. Okay, yeah, there's another scary deal that you're going to need signed. And Hextel was the guy that could make and, those good contracts happen. And if you're not going to trade him, Simmons needs a deal. Yeah, and, I mean, that's another scary one. Hextel didn't get taken advantage of by agents. and He gave out fair deals. That's one of the scary things, but I do I do believe that this, this whole – no accountability mentality is what ultimately got him fired. And I can't say that that was a bad decision. You can acknowledge all the good he's done while realizing that he needs to move forward. Pisses him right off. All that accountability stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he never did anything to improve the nah. game, really. With the exception of signing JVR, and that really hasn't I mean, it's been. He's played I think he's games, done a lot to so. improve. The yeah, team. that's not his fault. Though. Yeah, every trade he yeah. made, 
every move he made was to, to better the farm. Exactly. Yeah. But he never really. Exactly. I mean, he, he drafted he, really well too. Also, I want to oh, late. Well, I want to talk about his drafting because everyone just kind of says he drafted really well. He drafted really well, and I don't know necessarily if he drafted really well or if he did a really good job at getting a quantity number of picks. Like, he made a lot of trades to get him lots of picks to restock the farm system. But, I mean, he's got a lot of guys who haven't, like, really hit yet. I mean, you got Provorov and Konechny. Hart, Frost. And Ghost, which are all really good. They're all... Curry's yeah, still out on those guys. Still, they haven't... We've yeah. yet to see them pan out. So, you can't... I don't know if he drafted well yet. Like Rupstov, um, also Ghost. The Ghost was not a. Yeah, I was about uh, to say he was a hunger draft pick. Ghost was drafted in 2012. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So who on the team right now is the hexball? Connectney. We already said those guys. Robert Haig, or was he hunger? Limblom. Limblom. Limblom's a a hexball guy. Or hex. I think Hag is a Colgrim yeah, pick. Robert Hag. Well, I'll say that. 2013, it was a Colgrim pick. Yeah, damn. I guess he. I mean, the pipeline is stacked with prospects, but you're right. The current NHL team only has a handful of guys from those Hextel draft years. But I mean, as as I think time. Yeah, and there's a lot of guys from the Hextel draft years that are in the NHL that Hextel could have picked. Like we could have had to bring it. We could have had uh, Bellows. That's fair, but I'm still I'm still ready, like waiting for the pipeline prospects to pan out to fully judge Hextel's years because we could say that you know, yeah, yeah. I, we, for all we know, in the next five years, we could be talking about how the next GM did really good a really good job drafting, but in reality, like Morgan Frost and Carter Hart are the NHL leaders on the team, and then we could be like, oh wait, right. What- this is we see this a lot in sports where a guy comes into a team that's a mess and kind of and then somebody else gets the credit for but the. Like but I think maybe that's, I think that's maybe what you need. Because remember when Sam Hinkie got axed by the league, everybody said that he was going to be the guy to take us to the next step. And I love Sam Hinkie, but we we'll never know. But like he might have not been able to make those tough moves that let's say, you know, the the Jimmy Butler trade. Like, would he have been the guy to make that trade? It's tough to say. Like, Ron Hextel got us out of cap hell. He, he, he signed those good deals, but would he be the guy to take the next step and make a trade like we saw the Sixers make? Maybe it's, you know, it's good or, that we had him, and now it's good that we might be getting somebody else. Or fire a bad coach. Exactly. Or yeah. bad coaching staff. Right. I th- I think the problem with guys like Hextall and Hinky, which I, I like them both, right? But they're very – and one of their best characteristics is, like, they're going to make sure that every move they make, they're getting equal value or better value back. And that's something that they pay, like, a lot of attention to. They're all about, like, getting good value. But the problem is, a lot of times to make your team better, you have to overpay for pieces. Like, you have to overpay in a trade to get a guy in, like, Panarin on your team or Carlson you have to like you're gonna technically lose the trade when you look at it um like stats value like think of the Mike Richards and Jeff Carter trades like yeah at the time I mean yeah LA probably technically lost the Mike Richards trade but like yeah help them win a cup 
Yeah, it's yeah. exactly right. Like, you need guys with different philosophies at different times. Like, Hextel was probably the right call for the past five years. Would he have been over the next five? It's tough to say, but it certainly didn't I, look like it was going to go that way. I need to say something because it popped into my head, and I don't want to forget it. Hmm. You know what? You know what? One thing that never would have happened if we never traded Mike Richards to the Kings. Yuri Latera would not be a flyer today <laughs> if we never traded him because we got Braden Chen in that trade. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> the team needs one cokehead, right? <laughs> Uh, anyways, back to back to the other important stuff. It just popped in my head. We would have, but we would have True. Mike Richards on our team, so we would still have still. the Coke. So I loved Mike yeah. Richards though, before, before he, he you know, had a lot of issues compounding at one time. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so who who do you think is going to be the next GM? I've seen a couple of names tossed. Dean around. Lombardi. Don't want it. <laughs> Nobody wants it. <laughs> I That's mean, why I said it. But, I mean, it's so hard. Yeah. Teams are to tough. Like, I don't. I've seen like sucks, like so. Breer. Is yeah, a, a tough. I mean, uh, no, you don't. I don't want but Breer. like, you, like that's what I'm saying. Like they're just throwing out a bunch of different shit. They're throwing out former flyers. Yeah, former. Well, who's a former flyer? <laughs> now, I, I, what I want in a GM, and I'll have a list on this. So, you know, good luck to Holmgren finding this. That's you know based off my specifications, but I want a guy who does value analytics. You see guys like uh, Toronto's GM who does value analytics, and their team's fun. They also have Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, yeah, but like, Tavares. You can, get, you can get Kyle Dubois, or you can get John Chikra or whatever his name is in Arizona. So like, I, don't think Tri- so, I think Chikra's done a pretty good job. I mean, it's slow, teams. but it's building. Traded Strom. Yeah, he did just trade Strom. I think I, mean, I think I think Toronto. Just, I mean, you have to yeah, trade. Strokes I think I think everyone. Toronto got lucky. Flyers will be trading like, their strokes. Like Drew said, like, like um, you know, Toronto's got Matthews and Marner and all those guys. Obviously, making the team more fun. But I think you base your team off of the instead of throw, like you know, like you heard uh, Mike Milbury say the other day on NBC. He's like, yeah, the Flyers need to be a team that hits more and gets into more fights, and that's why they're not winning and. You really look at Toronto, they have one fighting major on okay. the year. Okay. Mike Milbury said this. Think about Yeah, that but I mean most of the Flyers media is saying it too, like 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 uh Sam Carcitti and you know, all the all the big beat writers in Philadelphia. I mean nobody really listens to them besides the general public. I mean everybody who's in on Flyers Twitter knows that they're full of crap, but they I kind yeah. of take what they say with a grain of salt, though, because I, I feel like they're really they're writing to a certain audience. Like they're writing to the they're writing, writing to the people who listen to morning sports talk radio. Yeah, exactly, and those and those those people they or they're they're putting out the message that the Flyers aren't winning because they aren't as physical anymore. But you look at Toronto; they're not a physical team. They have one fighting major on the year. Sure, they have some more talented players, but overall, it's not because they're not fighting. It's just because they're playing talented players. They have a good system for those talented players. They, they're they a complete team. They have a good coach. They have good players. I think the Flyers are a talented team that aren't scoring nearly as much as they should. We have Giroux, Voracek, Couturier, JVR. I mean, some of those names right now, I mean, besides Giroux, who's really overperforming? Nobody. And I think that comes down to the system. I think that comes down to... Um, how you're utilizing your guys, really. 
and I don't think they're doing almost a good like job. It comes, of it. Almost like it comes down to you know, coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still can't believe the coach just at the same time. Make sure to just clear the fight. I think house. I think he's on his way out for sure. I, I li- yeah, but then like he has to stick around. He does an See, interview today. He goes. And, like, he goes. I, I feel, love that quote. Oh I feel God. personally responsible. Well, honestly, yeah. I mean, no dumbass. shit, you are. But yeah, I mean, I'm. Yes, it doesn't it surprise me and it doesn't surprise me that he wasn't the first to go. I feel like there was a push to maybe have him be the first to go and Hextel was like not gonna happen and after a while Holmgren's like, All right, well Hextel's never gonna fire this dude, we have to fire Hextel. And the reason like I said, the reason why they don't get rid of Hack right now is because they're they just wanna get a new GM in place and then have him Dude, pick I'm, a new coach. I'm telling you the reason why they didn't fire Haxtell and the coaching staff today is because they literally Part have GM. a game tomorrow. Is because they literally have a game tomorrow and they're gonna do it at, or after the game, after Tuesday's game against uh whoever the fuck we play. Mm. You know um, what I'm afraid of? What? Ubers. No 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 no, no. that's who we play on Yeah, sorry. Oh, I'm afraid that Homegroom, who's technically in charge right now, he's just gonna be like, "I'm back in charge." Actually, thinks like so. If you remember, Dave Haxtell never hired any of his assistant coaches. So basically, all the coaches. Are you know Hextall's what I seen? Guys. So I'm afraid that Homegroom thinks that he's gonna give Haxtell another chance and let him bring in his own team. I've seen that, and I've seen some people kind of skeptical. It's like, what if this whole time, because Ron Hextel was so anal, that Dave Hextel is actually a good coach? And I'm like, mm, I mean, even if there was a slight chance, <laughs> even if there not. was a slight chance that that's true, I really don't want to give this guy any more time to find out. Like, I've just so passed this. <laughs> like... <laughs> Also, another thing along those lines is I remember, uh, I think it was Keith Jones, and I, I mean, take what Keith Jones has a grain of salt or whatever, but um, when brought up, like, will the Flyers bring in Joel Qu- Quinville, he said absolutely not. Because yes. Quinville is the kind of coach that wants full control, and Hextall is not mm. the kind of GM that would allow that. So I wonder if the firing of Hextall That'd be cool. has something with that. Like, Hungram knew that he wouldn't be able to get the only, thing, the only thing I'm concerned with Quinville, and by the way, I love how we all call him jo- Joel Quinville. Joel? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joel. It's, it's amazing. He's Joel Quinville. I feel like he might hate his life to become here being called Joel. Dude, time, every but... time I've seen, like, Joel Quinville typed out on Twitter, yeah, I, just, I, know, yeah. I see I see Joel. I just read Joel. The only thing that worries me with Quinville, though, is that he, from what I hear from Chicago fans, is He's not very good with young players, although I don't know. I just hear that he he has trouble developing talent, but once you have talent in place, he's really good with that. He he also had I mean, a how many GM. Young players did Chicago have he also over? any young player they got, they traded away to make cap space for true Caves no. and Kane. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, that, I'm definitely willing to give Glenville I mean, a shot here because he's, he's he, the his resume speaks for himself. I would absolutely love to see Glenville here. I'm not advocating against it or anything. I'm just saying that's the only thing that would really concern me. But that being said, I don't have a better option right now to fill in for you know to replace Dave Haxtell as coach. 
I have a suggestion. Somebody who might be a six-time champion. Uh, it's me. It's it's me. It me. You gonna run practices, I'm, Drew? I can run practices. Oh. Just bag skates all day. Let's go. Bag skates. Yeah, that'll teach some discipline. <laughs> if if I've learned anything from Mike Keenan's school of coaching, is you yell at them and skate them hard. Perfect. You make them fight each other too in practice, right? Absolutely. You got to get more fights. You got to toughen them up. Absolutely. And then and and then when Ooh, they're good, tell... you get them cookies. So I drew. You're against sports talk radio, and I understand. But I heard an amazing okay. story today. So Keith Jones is sometimes on the morning show. And they were talking about the Eagles about, you know, and their their whole thing this morning was like, oh, the Eagles players said they told the coaches what to do. Is that good? And Keith Jones was like, it actually happens, like, all the time. The only thing that's weird is that, like, the players mm. said it. And um, he told a story back in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals against the New Jersey Devils. He set the lineup. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, so this whole this whole thing – we might we might have the wrong guy. It might not be on Dave Haxel. It could be like on like uh, like Yori Latera. Yeah, or like uh, <laughs> they they point at Jake Voracek. All right, you're setting the line up tonight, buddy. You tell us <laughs> what to do. Yeah, it was funny too because the Flyers lost that game, and he said the game winning goal was against his the matchup. That he <laughs> to do. That's awesome. That's amazing. This is why, like, I come down to think it's like do you really need coaches in professional sports? They're all smart enough. Just let them coach themselves. They'll figure it out. Well, the coach is mainly there to keep the, try and keep things organized, right? Sure. And, you know, football. Yeah. It's there for the game plan and to and to manage to manage yeah. egos. Really, I do agree. Yeah. It'd be almost egos. impossible to play I mean, football without a coach. There's so much that goes on. Football Baseball, you can just throw anybody out there. Who the fuck cares? Yeah, right. Just go up and like, hit. Get nine guys. Get a couple of relievers. The starter okay. goes, you know what? It's time. Hockey the same way. You just, need, you just need a couple of lines. Just do it right, like, directly. You basketball. So much more fun. Basketball. Just go out there and play ball, kids. You know? Just send Joel. Joel, Jimmy Buckets. Joel put Ben out there. out there. The whole time. Little, little J.J. Redick and T.J. McConnell out there for the fan support. So I heard an interesting theory also in regards to coaching in Philadelphia. I forget where I heard this. I think it was uh, Greg Wachitsky. But he said every a Philadelphia like hockey coach, like the Flyers coach, has to look like he could win a bar fight it's with a fan. It's kind of true. I don't and think that's true. And if you think back, the only one I can't like think of that would work was uh, Craig Berube because we didn't really like him. But like we love he Peter Lombardi. He could kill a guy, but we hated. He John looks Stevens. like like somebody would like put up their fist and he would just curl into a fetal position. You're looking up John exactly. Stevens right now. I was gonna, right? yeah. <laughs> he's he's available, and I swear to God, they hire John Stevens. I'm, I'm quitting. I want to see if there's something in this theory. All right, yeah, John Stevens not a bar fight winner. Lavula, yeah. sure, but Craig Berube definitely kills somebody. Like legit yeah, kills somebody. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. all hated him. He's the right, exception, he's the exception to the rule. so far. But Dave Haxtell also does not look like he'd kill somebody. Bill Barber? He looks like he'd get killed. Dave Haxtell looks like a guy who likes <laughs> I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you right now. All right, here's here's the reason why Haxtell would not fire Haxtell, okay? Haxtell was like, yo, 
taxi in the summer. You can come up to my lake and uh, <laughs> do some wakeboard wake together. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you know what it was? Yeah. You know, I feel like we haven't dug deep enough into the uh, Jory Laterra Coke. Ooh. Maybe. Heck yeah. Oh, breaking news. You heard it here first. And Hackstall knew. Mm. <laughs> and Hackstall knew. Oh, my God. There's going to be a whole scandal coming out. I can't wait, dude. Yuri Laterra gets Ron Hextel fired. Fired. Gritty, Gritty is the cocaine. <laughs> he's, he, he's on cocaine, and I love him. No, it's Zamboni dust. <laughs> no, that's snow. But at least what we think, what he called, yeah, yeah, is it snow? No. Mm. Well, what do you think was falling mm. down from, you know, the Wells Fargo Center that day? Snow. Was it yeah, snow? It, was it, was it wasn't bad, though. It was snow. All right. <laughs> so, I think I think it's time to move on. I, it's a sad. Good luck to Hextall wherever he goes. I'm sure he'll win a cup with his next team. I oh, Dev, Devin died. We don't know if he'll come back or not. His phone was dying. It was at 38. percent Oh, That's... real quick before we start this, Steve, Stevie Eiserman. Yeah, right. Oh, absolutely, Stevie. Why? Yeah. But, but, but we're, it's not going to happen. But I've seen oh, no, a lot no, of people no. asking for it. Would absolutely love it. Yeah. Not gonna it's good stuff. It's good. He'd be good stuff. I I lost one of my papers, but it's okay. I can adapt. I can over, overcome. Are you in this uh, flyer schedule now that we could talk about? Yeah. It doesn't really yeah. matter. Cause yeah. Well, they... we got to catch up on some games, but there was some more pressing news that we had to. Um. So yeah, last time we were together, uh, we had just come off the West Coast road trip, and we were coming off a win in Arizona. So the next game, we're home against Arizona. Guess what? It was another win. Five to four. Uh, Philadelphia Skulls. Oh, Devin's back. Hey. Hey, uh, Stevie Y. Good idea for uh, GM, maybe? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not going to happen. But, but it's not going to happen. He's waiting for Seattle or Detroit, right? Right. Probably. Yeah. So, anyways, we're, we're going on to the schedule now, but I wanted to get your opinion on that, too. Oh, yeah. That would be a dream come true. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. First game back for us is uh, – Home against Arizona, five to four win. Goals for Philadelphia scored by Connecty, two by Lawton, uh, Weiss, and the overtime winner by Ghost. Arizona goal scored by Oliver Ekman, Larson, Richardson, Stepan, Grabner, Picard had fourteen saves on eighteen shots. Elliott was perfect, sixteen Yikes. for sixteen when he came in for in relief. Um, it was a while ago. I don't really remember this game that much. I probably was working, to be honest with you. But oh, it was the Ghost. He took the slap shot and ramped off the stick in overtime. I remember now. Yeah, that was a. Uh, I mean, Arizona's not the best team, so. I mean, that kind of highlighted but, what hey, the Flyers are. But, hey, we finally beat them twice in a row at that. I mean, yeah, yeah, we, we, were, we had, like, a losing streak against them for a while, so it was nice yeah. to finally beat them. Well, well that second game against them where we won 5-4, it kind of highlights what the Flyers are. They got terrible goaltending. They gave up, what, what did you say, 14, or Picard had 14, sh- or 14, 14 saves, saves on 18, on 18 saves. shots. Yeah. And the Flyers won five four. They they should be scoring. They should be scoring a lot of goals. And yeah, we uh, it is cons- we were it up is- to nothing, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and, like, then uh, yeah. and then fell down four to two. And then the third, we scored two goals. Yeah, uh, it's a tie. I mean, that's kind of what the Flyers should be like. But then you get weird games like against the Blackhawks when they went four nothing. Hey hey. No, that, that, that's next. That's yeah, next. I'm I wanted break, to talk about one news, more thing. I wanted, I wanted to talk about one more thing about that game. <laughs> Dale Weiss scored on a breakaway. How the fuck did I Dale Weiss get lucky. a breakaway 
and score. And I think that backup goalie mojo only works when the other team shuts out the Flyers. Well, it's not. It's see, it's not a thing about backup goalies if the starting goalie's hurt. Maybe that's true. If it, yeah, if they if the starting goal, you know, there there might be something to this. If the starting goalie's yeah. hurt. The Flyers actually play a backup goalie who plays like a backup goalie, and yeah. not Jesus Christ incarnate. <laughs> yeah. So uh, then we hosted. I'm finding the words because I can't. Uh, Blackhawks, Chicago. And we beat them four yes. nothing. And we beat them four nothing. Was that uh, that game? It was fun. Not a lot of fun. Goal scored by Drew Couturier twice. Uh, Patrick uh, scored the four. Elliot with a 33 save. Shut up. Uh, good game against a bad team. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it was – I mean, was that the last game, Elliot? No, he got hurt in the Devils game. But yes. he actually looked good for the – like, he looked really good against the Blackhawks. Wasn't overly challenged, but he did make 33 saves, which is pretty nice. Um, it finally started to look like, hey, maybe the goaltending will start stabilizing behind Elliot. <laughs> And then, uh, and uh, it yeah. did for the most part. It did, and I really wish Devin was here right now, because he owes me an apology. A little bit. Elliot did have, even though we lost the the next game against the Panthers, he All still right. he still <laughs> did pretty good. He uh, he. Now you guys do remember the little argument that me and Dev had about Brian Elliott being an average goalie. Well, guess who's above average in goals against and save percentage at the time of this recording? Brian fucking Elliott. I was right. Dev was wrong. I want. I demand an apology. When he comes back, I'm interrupting whatever we're talking about, and he's apologizing. If he comes back, his phone may be dead. We may have lost Devin for the remainder of this. But me and Kush will soldier on. Because then, after the Flyers beat the Blackhawks, we stayed home. We played Florida. We won. Or lost. Sorry. Lost 2-1. to one. Ekblad and Dadanoff scored for Florida. Uh, Voracek scored for uh, Philadelphia. Elliott, 28 saves on 30 shots. Uh, yeah, that was kind of a boring game. Yeah, and I mean, that. I guess, I don't want to say that was the start of the end for Hextel, but I mean, over the, next the five, yeah, yeah, over the next five or six games, they had one win after that. Yeah, and, then... and that's, that's kind of how... We're going to t- touch on this a little bit later. It's kind of how Philadelphia works nowadays, 500 hockey, where you, you go 5-1 through 6, and then you go 1-4-1 and one through the next 6. Like, it's just – it's so bad. I, I just – I don't understand. And I think the the next game, which I, I keep breaking your segues here, Drew. but that, No, we're going right into it. Let's go. The Devils game, that really sunk Hexel's yep. ship because that's when uh, – Elliot went down. I was at that game yep. too, and I remember yep. the the wraparound goal by Kyle Palmieri, and Elliot couldn't. He just it was actually on Blake Coleman's goal. Wasn't that? I thought it was Palmieri. I remember no, getting Picard. Picard. Um... No, I'm talking about the one that Elliot got hurt on. The goal. Yeah, he Picard got hurt wasn't on. in for a goal. He was. Wait a minute. Wait. What did my stats say? Picard had one for one save. Was it an empty net? It was an empty net. Yeah, I'm telling you, it was that Palmieri goal. It was goal. an empty net. No, I'm, I'm just um, – Yeah, yeah. It's Palmieri goal because I remember because I got yeah. a fantasy point for it. And I'm like, of course, I got a fantasy point on the, on okay. the goal. Well, play. anyways, what so happened in that game is that we lost 3-0. Anderson, Palmieri, and Coleman all scored for New Jersey. Elliott had 19 saves on 21 shots. Picard was one for one when he came in after Elliott got hurt on the Palmieri goal. Uh, one thing to other note is that uh, Letary was a health and scratch that game. And uh, Gudis was also a scratch, but he was ill. Yeah. But, I mean, that really spelled – like, once Elliot went down, and, he, again, he finally starts to stabilize in net, 
And then one, so he was playing fantastic hockey. Yeah, uh, I mean, he the was past playing, four, four or five games before that, I uh, got his save percentage up, got his goals against up. Um, he was out at least two weeks from that time of the injury. But, so. but this is what happens when you you, you lay your, you know, you, you pick Elliott as the hill you want to die, you know, as your goalie for the whole season. He's got injury problems. He goes down in that game. He could just literally, you saw it when he tried to get over for that wraparound. He just couldn't. Whatever happened, I, it looked like he pulled his groin, but I don't know exactly what. what I thought, was. I thought that he uh, slammed his heel into the post and maybe like bruised an Achilles or something like that. I I just saw him try to get over it. He just couldn't. See, and he, see this is the problem with hockey. Lower body injuries could be could so many be different anything. things. He could have hurt his penis. He well, no, <laughs> we knew about the pubic blade. <laughs> it's true. Flyers are very specific when it comes to when it comes to. Uh, and Jake. I don't know, everybody. Mark Strite, a broke penis. It's it's pretty bad. Full blown penis injury. Yeah, full full on. But uh, yeah, after uh, after that thriller in Jersey or against Jersey. Because it really it was it was boring. Because all Jersey well, games most are of the next games are kind of boring. Even the one against the Lightning, which we're getting to. <laughs> Forgot Drew likes to do the segue. Listen, <laughs> guys, Devin leaves, and you you just get I take you over. Go I got points. Okay, I, I got points. I, I know. Well, I got <laughs> I got stuff to talk about. So uh, against Tampa Bay, we lose in overtime, six to five. Uh, goals for Tampa Bay scored by Earn, Paquette, Point scored twice, Johnson scored once, and Sorelli scored in overtime. Goals for Philly, uh, Van Riemsdyk connecting twice, uh, Couturier and Simmons. Picard made 20 saves on 26 shots. We outshot Tampa Bay that game 45-26. to 26. There's one thing to, to note about how the Flyers got the overtime. Uh, they scored four goals in 10 minutes because they played like shit the, uh, the previous uh, 50 minutes of the game. It was the last 10 minutes of the third that they came back. And uh, but it was just embarrassing up until that point. Necessarily think they played terrible that game. They they played, I think, pretty well, but got bad goaltending and couldn't finish. And then with the last ten minutes, they're just like, you know what? We're just gonna start scoring for whatever reason. And that's when it got weird. It was fun, but it was weird. And then you get that uh, the nice loser point. Yeah, I mean that was Uh, a shame they. That 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 overtime goal really was a shame because Simmons got burned on it just after, after yeah. he just tied it, like with the most insane effort I've seen out of uh, oh, yeah. in a while. Scored on his back. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing to note about the Flyers lineup was that um, Fallen and Latera were both healthy scratches that game, so uh, that puts Albeck uh, Kubel and uh, Andy McDonald back in. Yeah, I mean at this point it's. It's weird for advocating for Fulton. I actually think he's better than Ma- McDonald at this point, but it's really you're just you're you're not you're not gaining too much by having Fulton in over McDonald. They're essentially it's, the same player. It's dumpster fire one or dumpster fire two, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, anything else? I mean, that game was just it game was, was fun. At I the end, I was pissed off at that game. I mean, I've been pissed off at the Flyers for a while. So. Yeah, for about, you know, 26 years of my life. Um, so, so you're going to move on to the Sabres now, or can I do that? Or? Uh, well, hang on. Devin's back. Oh. Yeah, we'll see how long okay. it lasts. Dev, we've, we've gotten up to the Tampa Bay game. Is there anything you'd like to add to the uh, 
to the losses against Florida, New Jersey, or the loser point against Tampa Bay? Uh, the loser point against Tampa Bay was interesting because I don't know how I feel about the game because I was so – I threw an oven mitt across the room. <laughs> Got real. When the went goal in it. When it was like five to one. I was like, God, I hate this team. And then, like, they came back, and I was like, I love this team. Why are you going to do this to me? And then they looked, and it was like, this is this is what I hate about the Flyers. Like, that game was, like, for, like, 20 minutes, the team was there. The, the team that I thought would be there for the year to start the season. But for, you know, the other 45 minutes, nothing. And it was just, ugh. This made me feel like, ugh. Yeah. Yeah, it felt really and I should never feel that way after a, that amazing comeback, really. But, but, well, yeah. when you play 10 minutes out of a 60-minute game, because that's what, basically what they did when they scored those four, foot, whatever, four goals the last 10 minutes. Shame. But, yeah, moving on uh, from the Tampa Bay game, we go to Buffalo, in Buffalo this time after that home stand. We lose 5-2, to two, give up four goals in the first period. Uh, Lyon. Got the start in that game. He had uh, eight saves on 12 shots. Picard was eight for eight. After that, Buffalo goal scored by Skinner, Thompson, Rodriguez, Larson, and Reinhardt. Phillies goal scored by Giroux and Simmons. Uh, <laughs> speed kills. Speed in particular kills the Flyers. And Buffalo came out with a lot of speed and trounced them. Yep, and that's part of the game. Like, that, that's a game plan issue. You aren't prepared for speed. That's that's on the coach. That's, true. that's on, all on coaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's also on coaching that the team is yeah. fast because you're playing you're you're not you have fast players on your roster mm-hmm. and you you choose to put in slower players and you also don't play a system that uses yeah, your speed. and like connect me is fast ghost is fast Provorov is a great skater you know there's a lot of great skaters on the team yeah there's like guys Wayne Simmons was was in like the, the the speed lap on when he was in the All Star game so like. There's guys that can skate on this team. Yeah, interesting uh, roster. The team plays is, well. Uh, Albe Kubel was then out again of the Terra back in uh, for that. Kubel right. was a – And Weiss was probably uh, – Weiss was in, yes. Oh, that's good because we all know Leterra is the, you know, speed demon. The sp- on he's, the he's got all the speed. But, yeah. Right. So, like, that's that's 100% like a coaching problem. I saw someone, like, tweet, like, oh, Hackstall can't do anything about the Toronto speed and like the other game and I was like no he can do it that's his job entirely the only thing is, like that's his job to combat the other team's speed with yeah, we strategy. talked about it. what what can coaches do the devils do it for Pretty years yeah. the Florida Panthers like there's plenty of teams out there that thrive off of forcing other teams to play slow. oh yeah the devils did it forever forever and ever anyways um the Black Friday game we come back home against the Rangers, and uh, we won four nothing. Konechny scored, Couturier scored twice, Wheel scored, uh, Picard was perfect thirty one for thirty one. Uh, interesting lineup notes: uh, we sent Albay Kubel down, called up Ty- uh, Tyrell Goldborn, put him in the lineup, and uh, Dale Weiss, second line player. Goldborn, the missing link. Uh, he he was it. He was the reason. I I was happy they won that game because the Black Friday game is a father and son tradition. I always watched the Black Friday game with my dad, so it was nice that they won. It didn't yeah. suck. Although, 
it would have been a great bonding experience for us both to be very angry. Nothing says happy Thanksgiving like getting pissed at a hockey game. Like, like before the game started, it was like me and my dad were just like ranting about how mad we were at the team, and then they go out there and win four nothing, and they were like, "Yep, cool." I'm actually really surprised (laughs) they didn't get uh, beat. I mean, they had pick pick hard net, like, and they shut out the Rangers. That's uh... does anyone else think that like? All right, so I saw like Henrik Lundqvist had a great game and the Flyers dominated. Like I don't know if it's just my own bias with this team, so I'm mad at the team or I'm just like disgusted. But I really didn't feel like any of their chances were really all that dangerous. Lundqvist looked like an old goalie flopping around, getting kind of lucky off of like kind of bad. Shots. Yeah, I mean, I'll say that he did. He was the Rangers' best player, for sure. But I think you're right. Like, I think the goals that went in weren't particularly, like, crazy skilled goals. Like, the Konechny goal, like, he kind of just shoved it wide and then happened to go around his pad. And yeah, I didn't. Yeah, like, the Flyers did dominate in, quote, like, in time of possession. They got a lot Which was of weird. Shots, but it just didn't feel like. Yeah, because it felt like, and I think a lot, like, I think, like, a lot of people said this, too, is, like, the game kind of still was boring, even though they dominated and won four nothing. But I think it's because part yeah. of it was because they didn't score the second goal till what, like the was it, the sec- third, period. third period. Yeah, so three of the goals came in the third. So the most of the game was one nothing, and you kind of just felt like the Flyers were gonna fuck it up somehow. But, yeah, yeah, that was that someone. Somebody like one of the Flyers beats tweeted like, "Ah, see, this is a much this this is a much better version of the Flyers." And I was like, "This is like a sleepy version. Like I'm bored. This is a yeah. I mean, game. like you said, they dominated possession wise, but with, when you have Picard and Net, it just feels like somebody's gonna let a shot go from like the circle side, you know, like bad angle goal, have it bounce. Picard did look, play good that game though. He made well, yeah. Goals. I mean, he wasn't tested like, a lot. I would give him like, some credit. It's Picard, so you he's not tested a lot, so yeah. <laughs> you know it's like so he gives, yeah, he's gonna give up one of those Michael Layton on the ground goals. Like what kind of just what what happened the next game? Every goal was on the ground. Yeah, I, I couldn't even watch the game because you know retail. Yeah, what the you, Toronto game working. or the both, uh, games. both games? Yeah, the Rangers game. Both games. We just well, the way actually played decent defensively. It was boring, but. Picard got a shutout, which was weird, and the Flyers won. Kind of a boring game, I guess. But I felt like it was more like if we played that game like last year or the year before, that's a fun game. Whereas since we played it this year and the Flyers are really good at losing games, we just kind of felt like it was going to end badly. And granted it didn't, but that was the feeling for most of the game. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what what are you gonna what are you gonna do if four nothing win doesn't feel good? That's Philadelphia. That's a bad yeah. sign when the four nothing yeah. win feels doesn't. Feel good. And you know what feels even worse? A six nothing loss because that's what happened the next night in Toronto. And uh, not only did we lose six nothing, we gave up a hat trick in the first twelve minutes. Uh, so goal scorers for Toronto: Andreas Johnson, Johnson, is it Johnson? It doesn't matter. Yeah, Johnson. again, couldn't watch the game, so I don't know how to pronounce it because I couldn't hear it. Uh, Andreas Janssen, three goals. Marlowe had a goal. Le- Levo, Lievo, I don't know, fucking Levo. Levo. He better Levo the Flyers alone. <laughs> <laughs> and John Tavares scored. Uh, Picard, 
a whopping two saves on six shots. Sexy. And uh, Stolarz, uh, interesting enough, because Lyon uh, did get hurt uh, earlier in the week. Uh, Stolarz, uh, 33 saves on 35 shots in, in relief. So I feel like I'm the expert on Toronto. So, Joe for uh, Levo is like a poor man's raffle. <laughs> uh, and then Janssen is a guy that, like, they're really high on, but, like, has been kind of disappointing. He's a fast player. But he was scratched five times this year. <clears throat> so he scores a hat-trick. Levo scores a goal. Yeah. I like I like the the tweet That's somebody fine. asked on Twitter. Uh, it was like an article. It was like, what what was the turnaround for Janssen? He just tweeted back that he played the Flyers. <laughs> well, that's exactly yeah. it. I mean, plus they that was me. Yes, I that's what I that. said. Plus they <laughs> plus they plus they started Picard, who just played the night the, or the day before. Kush, Kush, I have to stop you. Why, Devin? You owe me an apology. Oh yeah, Why? Ryan Elliott is an above average goalie in the NHL right now. Drew, Drew oh. is really hounding oh. on this. Granted, you know I, he's injured for half that time, but yeah, he's above average. I how many games? He has play? played fourteen. Okay, since I criticized him so much, he decided to turn his game around, and I motivated him. Or maybe I believed in him enough. Now he listened <laughs> that, to this podcast that I, he became the goalie he always was destined yeah, to be. All right, anyways. When people tell you you're doing a good job, it doesn't motivate you. But when people tell you you, you really suck, it I motivates t- you. I said he had really because okay, I've been telling the Flyers I, they suck for just, years now. Just, <laughs> just, just apologize to me. I I would appreciate it. I will never apologize All to right. you. You uh, <laughs> back to uh back to Toronto game. Now <laughs> we got that over. If you're gonna a, call yeah. me out on a, on a, you're gonna call me out on a take. Call me out on my take that I would take the Flyers over the Toronto roster because I believe that Saturday's <laughs> game was the greatest explanation of how wrong I was. Also, I want to point out. I mean, I understand that the Flyers goalie situation is bad, but why the hell are we starting Calvin Picard two games this is in exactly back to back? Like, I wouldn't yeah. even do it. I wouldn't even let like a elite goalie do that unless it was like a must win playoff well, game or something. Act- like I wouldn't start long play two games in a row. Why would I start a fourth string yeah, can I, two can, games in a row? Can I make a, a thing real quick about goalies real quick? Uh Toronto started their backup goalie against this that game. So the the backup goalie thing. Well, yeah, because up. they're yeah. Drew had a I don't know if Dev was here for that, but Drew had a theory that Basically, if the Flyers play a backup goalie who's in because the other team is starter goalie is injured, then he plays like a backup goalie. But if they're just playing a backup goalie as a backup goalie to give the starter a rest, he shuts down the Flyers. I think that's a, yeah, it's a it, it's a trick. it holds up. I think this, but you know what? I would say that it's probably more that the Flyers just aren't good. And, like, it's not like if they put their starter in, we would have scored. Oh, yeah. Like, we probably would have also got shut out. <laughs> <laughs> it's just – it's it's probably more of how the Flyers are playing and not so much. It's, like, it's just a coincidence that we notice the bad games more when there's a backup in than when there's a starter in. Because, like, maybe when there's a starter and you go, ah, oh, okay, a good goalie shut them out. Well, he's a good goalie. But, like, when a bad goalie shuts them out, you're like, he's a bad goalie. I mean, goalie. it seems Why to happen a lot. <laughs> So, but, I have a um, question. Well, the Flyers are yeah, good. I was going to say that um, – And good teams are probably starting their backups yeah. when they face us. So, like, 
feel like Toronto's a good team. But um, yeah, but yeah, back to your point about Calvin Picard. I mean, you, you don't you don't start anybody two days in a row, let alone a guy who has, has like a point eight five or eight eight five save percentage. Oh, I, I, I've got statistics. I've here? got I've got his statistics. Yes, um, because I have the whole team statistics. But I have I will, before I get to that, I have a question. Do do you start? Uh, Stolars in the game against Ottawa tonight. Sure, yes. why not? Like, who cares at this point? Because he he played good. Yeah, yeah, go so, for it. Did you just say tonight? Because you're gonna release this yes. tomorrow. Good wow. job, Dev. <laughs> I was so confused by that. I was like, good right job, now. Dev. Okay. Whew. Um. Oh, yeah, so quick rundown of the points, leaders, uh, and everything for the Flyers. Points, uh, top three, Drew, Couturier, Jake at 28, 18, 17, respectively. Goals, leaders, Couturier with 10, Simmons with 9, Drew with 8. Uh, assists, Drew with 20, Jake with 12, three tied at 8, Coots, TK, and Ghost. Um, Elliott's uh, goals against 259, save percentage 911. Picard, here you go. 401 goals against average, and an 863. Save percentage. Ooh, that was even worse than I gave him credit for. Oh yes, <laughs> I, I hate that. I don't want to backtrack, but like another thing about starting Picard back to back, like my, I, I guess the logic was like, well, we have no goalies left, and I don't want to start Stolars because he's played one game in the NHL or something. But like, how much worse do you think Stolars was than that? Like I feel like Stolarz couldn't be much worse than whatever the that's no, he, he's said. not. So, like, I guess the reason. So like, why I would just go yeah. with Stolarz? Um, do it, Dev. Dev, I know you got to leave in a second here, but I want to get your opinion for our next topic. Uh, five hundred hockey. How do you how do you feel about five hundred hockey? All right, I have okay. First of all, I think I've mentioned this before. I absolutely despise whenever when any person says. So and so hockey team is five hundred, and you see like ten wins, ten wins, five overtime losses. I want to be like, no, they're not five hundred; they're ten and fifteen. Right. And that's what the Flyers are right they're now. They're 10, ten, eleven, and two. They're, they're ten and thirteen. Yep. They're below five hundred. I mean, they're below. They're even below hockey five hundred. Right. But like, I'm so sick. I'm so sick. Like <laughs> nauseous, sick when I think about it. Of like the future being more five hundred hockey. Like I hate. I hate winning one, losing one. I hate seeing a win streak of like three or four games and starting to be like, yeah, they're turning around, only to see a losing streak two weeks later of three or four games. Like, I just want to see the Flyers win two, lose one for like a month straight, and then like, then have a winning streak. Like, if they played slightly above five hundred, and then had a winning streak here and there, they're one of the best teams in the yep. NHL. Like, that's that's all you have to do. But I don't know. Like it's so frustrating because you can't get you can't get excited watching the Flyers even when they're having a good game because in your heart you know they're gonna lose the next game. Yep. So it's like there's never any excitement. Like the the Tampa Bay game where they storm back. Like there was that was barely any fun, even though it was tons of fun. Like we should have been like, woo, this is great. We were all like, yeah, the Flyers are gonna lose this game in overtime because that's just what they do. And the Flyers haven't been fun since 2012. That like it's been six years since the Flyers have been a fun team. And I'll say this: I mean, this my biggest sports regret is I used to hate basketball. Right? I 
The Flyers were so boring. I gave the Sixers a shot and became a basketball <laughs> fan. Yeah, I, uh, I, I didn't really like watching basketball all of a sudden. I like watching basketball because I like watching the Sixers. Yeah, like I'm like, wow, this sport's really fun. This team is yeah. fun. And it's like, that's like 500 play mediocrity. Like, it, it will kill your fan base. And I was that's... listening to a podcast, um, and they were talking about the Minnesota North Stars, and they were like, how did that team fold? Because that's like, or they didn't fold, they moved. And it's like, how did, like, that's a hockey hotbed. That's that's kind of like if the Flyers were to leave or the Rangers were to leave, like, how'd that happen? And the guy was like, well, they were just mediocre for years and years and years and years, and the fans just kind of got over it. They didn't want to go. So, like, it's dangerous. Like, if this continues for, like, a few more years, like, I don't know what's going to happen. The Flyers have always thrived because they, they sell out every game. And, like, that's starting to not happen. Yeah. And that's never really happened as in As of lifetime, right now, so. well, okay, as before Hextall got fired, because it may have changed then, uh, it was cheaper for tickets on StubHub than it was for the parking passes on StubHub in the next couple games. It's still that way. It's, yeah. it's still that way. So season, yeah, season ticket holders are pissed off because they're literally getting screwed financially. For tickets. Yeah. It's not like the Flyers had a last place season that year they traded Forsberg. Yep. Right? The year they, they got JVR, mm-hmm. right? And then, like, the next year they went to the conference finals, right? So, like, the, we've – we didn't – like, we're not used to this as a fan base. Like, for any of our sports teams, really, with the exception of the Sixers who had a long period of time where they were mediocre. You know what happened? The team got sold. Yeah. And then, like, the team almost moved. Like, there was talk that the Sixers were going to leave Philly before Hinky came in and made the process, like, saved the franchise, really. Yeah. Because the Sixers were really bad since I. Yeah. And it was, one. but it was also that but, whole trust the process. Like, they bought into it. They said, hey, listen, you got to give us time. You just got to give us a couple years. But they yeah. went for it. They didn't, like, they didn't half ass it like Ron Hextall did. He's like, we're going to rebuild through drafting, but we're not going to trade away our good players now. We're going to keep. Like I love, I love all the players we don't have to mention, but we're going to keep Drew and Voracek and Wayne Simmons, and try to make the playoffs and also build right. to the draft. But it's like if they would have just tanked the team that year, right? If they would have traded all those guys and got a ton of picks, got a lot of high draft picks, we might be sitting here like the Toronto Maple Leafs yep. right now. That's because that's 100% what they, what they did. Time period. So, I mean, five hundred hockey is dangerous, and I hope whoever comes in now has a pair and makes some moves and goes for it. Because either it'll work and we'll be good or it'll fail and we'll be really bad and then we'll have an opportunity yeah. to rebuild. Although I swear to God I can't do it. Rebuild, <laughs> All right, Dev, we'll whatever. let you go. But thank you for the input. All right, guys. All right. Uh, if you want to, before Dev leaves or as Dev leaves, if you want to follow him on Twitter, at DevinS93 on Twitter. I have a lot of quality content. A1. All right, so, uh, so real quick before me and you talk about 500 hockey, uh, just one more thing I wanted to note about the edge. Drew is on pace to score 99 points this season. Yeah, because he's is just he's just performing. fantastic. He's at uh, Peter Laviolette. He's the best in the world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's honestly what hurts him is that comment, but I love him. I think it hurt him for a couple of years, but he's still he's just playing fantastic hockey. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's he a... is one of the best players in the league, not the oh, best yeah. player, but one of His name's Connor McDavid. Well, yeah. But yeah, I'm, no, I'm glad to see he's uh, performing like he did last year. 
yeah, he's just playing phenomenal hockey. So yeah, uh, five hundred hockey. Gush, what's your uh, what's your thoughts? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, Devin made great points. It's dangerous to play oh, yeah. that way because Flyers, uh, they could end up the same path that the Sixers almost ended up. Granted, I think that they're in a kind of a better place now because they have a, at least a, a half decent team that they can work with. I just think mm-hmm. the guy who gets brought in needs to give the team an actual identity and yes. make sure that they're playing to their highest potential. Because right now, you, you look at the roster, with the exception of the goaltenders, this team should be playing much better than the record shows. Oh, absolutely. And you, Drew, you, Couturier, Voracek, Konechny, Simmons, Ghost. Mm-hmm. And you watch these games, and yeah, they've blown out the bad teams, and that's what they should do. But then they get they go up to against a team that's even slightly challenging, and they get either they get shut down and embarrassed. Yeah, I mean, the thing about five hundred hockey is it's boring, and it's it's showing with the ticket prices, right? Nobody mm-hmm. wants to go watch that. It's frustrating, and it's showing with the booze at the home games because they're upset. The fans are upset about what they're watching. Uh, like we have this, these glimpses of being competitive. The last ten minutes against Tampa Bay, you know, I mean, yeah, you'll Buffalo see, you'll see it that, 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 oh yeah, that there's the there's, Flyers you're supposed to see. But it's not even like you, you, the West Coast road trip. Yeah, you can look past the goaltending and say, and still see a good team in there. Yeah, but when they're getting shut out constantly, or they're only scoring a goal or two a game, and they're getting blown out. That there's more to the the problem than just goaltending. Absolutely, and it's it is it does ultimately come down to a team effort. It comes down to a system. It comes down to, you know, somebody's got to do something at some point. And when you don't, what happens? You're Ron Hextall and you get fired. Yeah, and I mean, this team, you know, it's it's all about accountability. From the you know, you hear the GM say that, uh, and the coach say that, yeah, they're accountable people, but they never held each other accountable like Hextel never held ha- held Hextel accountable it's what cost him yep. his job he never held Ian LaPerriere accountable cost again cost him his job it's going to cost well five years too late but it's going to cost Ian LaPerriere his job I mean ever since LaPerriere's been in so in the what six years that he's been mm-hmm. the coach of the penalty kill uh, he's been in the bottom half of the league in penalty yeah. kill percentage every single time um, one thing I'd like to know you know we talk about like being competitive, right? We talked about that a lot last podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but we lost to a New Jersey team who has less uh, less points than us. Yeah, we lost to a Florida team who's last in the East right now. The games that we played against Tampa, Buffalo, Toronto, the top three in the Atlantic, with the exception of Tampa Bay, because we made a good come a miraculous comeback in the last ten minutes. With the exception of that last ten minutes, we got blown the fuck out in all three of those games. Like the only good game we had was against the Rangers, and since the last time we were here, and they're four points ahead of us. They're twelve, ten, and two, so they're five hundred. And you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean you break it down like Devin did. It really just comes down to media, like the the culture that the Flyers had was mediocrity was being accepted, and the yeah. Flyers. You, you said the Flyers talk about being competitive. They said that they, you know, they were going to retool while staying competitive. And there's a lot of different variations on that over the past five years. You could say, okay, well, they made the playoffs two years. They, you know, they finished in a playoff spot for, what, three, like three or four years out of the last five? I think it was three. Yeah. 
So you could say, fine, that's a rebuild while still being competitive, which, fine, whatever. But then this year, once JVR was signed and, no, you know, everybody from the coaching staff and Hextel and everybody's coming out saying, okay, you know, this is – and you kind of felt it before the season starts. This is the year where we want to take a step forward. This is the yep. year where we don't want mediocrity to be accepted. From, you don't want to be a first round exit. Yeah, this is, and that's the kind of feeling you got from the team and from the coaches and the players and everything that they didn't want to be a, a mediocre team again. And they come out and they look worse than a mediocre team. They mm-hmm. just get straight up embarrassed. And it, it again after the what we're twenty games into the season and Hextel still didn't do, like hold anybody accountable, make any moves. That's ultimately what cost him his job and yep. like I said I, I think Haxtell probably should have been the one to go first but if Haxtell was the one keeping him there and not holding him accountable then really at that point there's nothing you can do but get rid of Haxtell yeah I mentioned it I don't, I don't remember when it was a couple of podcasts ago I said at what point do you do you start blaming Haxtell and I think management yeah I think they, I think they, they've they've done it yeah, you know, absolutely. They they they're fed up, and that's why he's uh, he's without a job right now, and why the Flyers are without a GM. So, yeah, and yeah. I mean, it's like you said, we've seen it in the ticket prices, and you know, finally, I mean, you really see because for the last five years, the fans were getting kind of restless, but we still showed up to games, and then this year, you see it. The Wells Fargo Center was getting really empty. You'd go to games, and the lower level seating, there'd be a a lot of empty, a lot of empty yeah. seats, and, and I think I think it's it's a terrible city to have this happen because Philadelphia, oh, they got the Boo Birds, right? Where it's like, oh, the fly, the fans are booing, but that's just Philadelphia. But this time we're booing because like we're actually upset with the product. Yeah. I we're mean, you can fed up with the team itself, can, not just you know referees making a bad call, yeah, or you know something that we may not like isn't going through, you know. I mean, you can see it's, it with the fans too, because it's been put out there on social media that oh, you know, the Flyers fans aren't what you know going into the Wells Fargo Center isn't what it used to be. Like teams used to fear coming into the Wells Fargo Center and the walk, or you know, the the spectrum beforehand. Everybody didn't like playing in Philadelphia because their fan base was so tough, and now it's you know they they did like a um. Was it like a survey of the toughest buildings to play in in the NHL today? And the Wells Fargo Center didn't even make the list. And a lot of media members are like, "Yeah, that's the the fans today." But um, really, that's the team that this is the result of the team you gave us. The Flyers fans, yeah. I don't think, I don't even think like like your diehard fans are getting angry, but like like your average fan and even even to this degree diehard fans are just not starting to care anymore and that's why we're not showing up it's just become to the point where why should we even care about the team when 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 it feels like management doesn't care why should we care exactly right when 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 you know early on in the season uh, the flyers are booing uh, the flames are booing you know there's there's like and hackstall and the players are like well it's kind of you know it's not fun to play in this environment it's like you're not giving us any reason to cheer. You're not giving us close competitive games. You're giving us blowouts. You're giving us boring, like the fucking home opener. Me and you were there. That like, was that was the game was over dumb. in the first five minutes. That was then a we waste. Sat, we sat there for the next, you know, right? Because you felt obligated. Yeah, fifty-five. You paid, you know, home opener prices. You know, the home. It was like but the majority $60 of people and felt obligated to sit there for the next yeah, fifty-five minutes. The majority and, of people left by the end of the second period. Yeah, I mean, I don't blame I've them. I've never. 
I've never seen the Wells Fargo Center that empty for a Flyers game. It's let alone a home, like the home opener, especially. Yeah, I'm excited for tomorrow and kind of nervous. I want to see what the Flyers do now that Hextel isn't the, you know, at the forefront anymore. I want to see. Honestly, it probably is not going to change much. It doesn't change the on ice product. Not yet, but depending on the GM we get, depending on if they make any moves with the coaching staff, it's this next. I mean, tomorrow they have a press conference, but this next week is going to be. It's going to be. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, because that's the right word. Because tonight, tomorrow, in our in our time, in real lifetime, mm-hmm. uh, we we're we're home against Ottawa, so it's a home game. Going to be interesting. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, and then Saturday. We're, you know, we have that, that big break, a three day break. And we play we're the going Penguins. to, uh, we're going to Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. It's going to be, hmm. I think, I think you might have a point though about, I, I think if the Flyers get blown out tomorrow, I think Haxtell immediately loses a job. And I think, yeah, even if they replace him with LaPerriere for the time being, I think they just oh, want to get Haxtell out of here so they can show the fan base that they're doing something. If, I think if they put that LaPerriere, though... Oh, it's, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be terrible. That would just but be at least they're showing us they're... They're not going to keep LaPerriere, that's for sure. But at least... I guess they at that point, they tr- at least try to show the fan base that they're willing to do something in the short term. Um, but I do think if Hax, if Haxtell either wins or if he loses tomorrow and doesn't get blown out, he's safe for the time being. Again, at least until we get a new GM. So that, I think... Right. The only way they, they get rid of Haskell beforehand is if they're all in on Quinville and they're like, we're going to get Quinville and then we're going to get a GM who works with Quinville. Right. Um, but otherwise, they're just going to hire a GM and let him do what he wants with the coaching staff. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I think I think whatever whoever the head coach is next, he should be able to pick his staff instead of yeah, absolutely. Know, the GM picking the staff. Because I feel like – you know, as a coach, you, you work better with people that you want to work with, with people that you trust. And, yeah, you may – like, who knows how much say that Hextall had – or Hackstall had with this uh, thing. But LaPerriere came in – most of the staff came in before Hackstall was hired. Yeah. So, so. I mean, I, I, I definitely want the coach – like, and, again, I'm tired of this in-house stuff too. Like, mm-hmm. so tired of it. Just get a new coach, let him pick his staff. Doesn't have to be any former flyers. Just I want somebody good. Tired of yeah. the, I'm tired of the former flyers mediocrity. Just giving them a job because they were part of the team before. Mm-hmm. That's contributed to why the team hasn't been good. And and they've they've done that for the span of the team though. I mean, like Bill Barber, Barbie Clark, they were in charge of the team for a very long yeah. time. And it and didn't. I mean. Granted, you could argue that some of those errors are pretty good. I mean, we had Lindros, and we didn't win a cup, but we still that that wasn't entirely on the fault of uh of those guys. Yeah, right? but like it still didn't result in any in any it championships. No, it resulted uh, when when it was in '97. Who do, who the hell was the coach in '97? No. Wasn't Barber? He came in in 2000. So I don't even know. I forget. I was too young to remember or care. All right. The only thing I know about that is, uh, you know, we got swept by that Detroit team. Those good, those guys who were pretty good. Yeah, that's that's another thing that annoys me too. And that, another reason why, even though those GMs made the finals, like we never had a GM who just built the most dominant team in the league. We had right. some of the most dominating players, like Lindros and Drew and all those, 
uh, big names, but we never had the most dominant team. Like, it looks like it was uh, Terry Murray, and at the time, which I don't, I don't even know. But he got fired, or not fired necessarily, but left the team after that cup loss. It's interesting. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's all I got. Um, kind of. Yeah. I want. I want to see what happens with tomorrow and the next week or so, and see where the team goes. With uh, yeah. with the new direction, they're definitely going to have now. So, yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, the game against Ottawa. It's. I think it's just going to be more the same. But I think it's going to be interesting. What's going to happen Wednesday? Maybe. Maybe they'll finally pull the trigger on Hackstall, and we'll move forward as a team and an organization heading into Sunday against Pittsburgh. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see how that goes. But until yeah. then. Uh... Well, uh, we'd uh, we'd like to thank everybody for listening again. Um, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter individually, you can follow myself at the Big Drew ninety two at Kush for uh, Kush at Flywalker nineteen seventy five. You can follow the podcast at Wiz underscore Wit underscore Hockey. Um, questions, comments, uh, send us an email at uh, WizWitHockey at gmail dot com. We did get a really good email uh, in between. Oh, we last go over one. that. I know there a lot of happened. We're yeah, scattered. We'll do that next uh, time. We'll do like a uh, from Polly. Polly, we will get to that because we had some very good points with the the goaltending situation at the time, um, and it's still relevant uh, a couple weeks later. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely get to that next time. But yeah, keep sending them. We love it. Um, yeah, we've been uh, Wizwood Hockey. Thanks y'all for uh, listening. Signing off. Goodbye.